And so today, I want you to stay with me as I give you. There's only five points, and I'm going to try to get through them in the time that I have allowed. First of all, I want to start with Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The title of the message is Obedience, the Key to Prosperity. Listen carefully. Prosperity is having everything you need and the capacity to enjoy it. There's a difference in being rich and being happy. You will see continually rich people have major mental problems and emotional problems, unhappy, angry, empty. But God can take care of curing that, and he does. So it's having everything you need and the capacity to enjoy it. Now, real quickly, dollar bills are going off in some of your minds. I said, oh my gosh, he's going to get me convicted about giving again. And that's one thing I plan to live and die and never do. Uh, that's the reason I'm preaching this for the sixth time, all right? Seriously, it's more than money. It's a whole lot more than money. It has to do with love and peace and joy and patience and security. These are needs that we have. These are the needs that we live with or without. If those needs are met, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. If we choose to go the way of the world or we pick up someone's book that made multiplied millions and want that person to guide us in how to handle money, we get ourselves in serious trouble oftentimes. While reading the Bible through, in those days of 1975, in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy is where the Lord spoke to my heart very, very, very clearly. Listen to it. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all of his commandments, which I command this day, that the Lord thy God will set on thee high above all of the nations of the earth. And all these things shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Now listen, God is talking to Israel, his people. He is talking to his people. He is saying to his people, I have a message for you. I want you to learn something that the world will not know. Keep on listening. Blessed shall you be in the cities, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand unto. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord shall establish you a holy people unto himself. 
as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, the fruit of your cattle, the fruit of your ground, and in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give you. The Lord shall open unto you his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And listen, thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. I never read that before, but twice he says it in Deuteronomy. Let me read you two or three more verses. And the Lord shall make you the head, not the tail. Thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if you'll hearken unto the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after the other gods to serve them. I preached to you today on Super Bowl Sunday. I heard last night that $5 B billion will be bet today on that ball game. That's America. That's how crazy this nation has become. Can you imagine? Oh, you say, well, think about the winners. Think about the losers. Think about how many are going to go home tonight and have to explain to their wife or their kids or whatever. Well, I made a mistake. When God says, I'll supply your needs, the lottery doesn't supply our needs. Our brains don't supply our needs. Our good works don't supply our needs. If we're Christians, God supplies our needs. God owns all the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills they graze on. All that's in the heavens is his and all that's in the earth is his. All he's looking for is people he can trust his wealth to. And the wealth of a Christian does not come from the world. The wealth of a Christian that is used for God's glory comes from God. And it is used by him and for him. He says, I will not withhold any good thing from my kids that love me. Again... If you write down definitions, my definition of prosperity is having everything you need and the capacity to enjoy it. Having everything you need and the capacity to enjoy it. When somebody says, well, how much do you think it costs to eat? Depends on what you eat. You know, how much does it cost to go on vacation? Depends on where you go. Well, how much do a pair of shoes cost? cost? Depends on where you buy them, right? Well, God owns it all. And God says, I will provide what you need. Man, it's terrible to buy clothes and pay thousands of dollars for them and they not fit. I mean, I don't know if I could survive that. I'd probably have to call one of your psychiatrists uh, if you'd give me his number, all right? No, just kidding you. But God says, listen, my kids, I'm going to take care of you. And I am going to pour my wealth into you of everything I have, love, grace, on and on, yes, finances, and you are going to see things that no one else has ever, ever seen. Amen. I will submit to you from my study in my lifetime that among the wealthy, there is often more misery per square foot than any place on earth. I have spent my life watching wealthy people die in misery. I have read news and seen where the wealthy are not the happy. You know, 
there's some advantages of being poor. You know, in Pasadena, we used to leave our houses open. We never locked our house. Didn't need to. Wasn't anything in there of any value, you know. And we just had a good time. Went 21 years without a murder in Pasadena. Go check the records. But that's not anymore. That's not anymore. It's God's will for his kids to be prosperous. Not wealthy, but prosperous. To have what you need. You need a friend. You say, I just don't have any friends. I need to be loved. God's got plenty of love. He is love. There's a difference between relationships and love. But God says, I will take care and prosper, not make rich, but prosper my children. Back in those days of 75, I went fishing one day. I didn't go to a Baptist meeting of preachers in Houston. And while I was fishing uh, in Rockport, I got elected the moderator of the Houston Baptist Association. <laughs> now, don't get carried away. I don't have a big plaque for that. But let me tell you what. When I found out I was a leader, I had to check on, now, what am I leading? If you go back and check the record, that year, the churches of Houston gave $2.2 million to world missions and $3.5 million in interest on notes at the bank. On interest, twice as much. I said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something is wrong with this. Jerry Falwell, the man that I told you about a while ago, God is reading about. Many of you did that with me, with a dear friend. But he believed in debt. He, ought to, he said, you ought to borrow all you can, pay the interest, let the Antichrist pay off the principal. <laughs> that was his theology. And I said, well, Dr. Jerry, I said, how are you going to stand before the Lord? And he owed $23 million years ago. I said, how are you going to stand before the Lord? And the Lord says, how'd you leave my church and uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia and Liberty University, and you're going to tell him $23 million in debt? And he said, well, John, I don't know exactly how I'll say it, but I'll have something to say to him that I'm sure that I'll convince him. I said, well, good luck. But a little over 20 years later, he walked inside the doors of Sagemont Church. Some of you were here the night he preached. He came to my office under conviction that he couldn't come up with an answer. How was he going to tell God that he left him in debt, that said, I'll supply all the needs of my kids? So he said, John, I want you to sit down. Beverly sent over to the McDonald's, get him two big, big Macs or whatever they serve over there, the big McDonald burger a big chocolate milkshake, and large french fries. He was about this big then. He said, John, sit down. I'm going to tell you something. He said, I got an idea. I said, what's your idea, uh, Brother Farwell? And he said, uh, I'm going to get the church and Liberty University to buy a $25 million life insurance policy on me. So if I die and I stand before the Lord, I'm going to tell the Lord I left you debt-free and $2 million in the bank. <laughs> he said, well, you think about that. I said, well, Dr. Jerry, it's better than what you're doing, but it isn't God's way. But I said, go for it. And he did. And he did. It was just about three years later that I got a call from John Mark Benson early in the morning that Dr. Falwell had dropped dead in his office. 
When he dropped dead, Liberty University became debt-free. Today, that university, and I have been there, and from the words of Jerry Falwell, Jr., they have, when I was there the day they were building, they were building $610 million worth of buildings and paying for them, and had $1,360,000,000 in the bank. Now, I'm telling that story, folks. Let me get back to the scripture. God knows what he's doing. God has plenty of everything you need. But we've got to meet the qualifications if he's going to do it. I cannot believe what the church has done today. We've taken a gospel that is fantastic, unbelievable, about a man who never had a beginning, born of a virgin, came in human form, conceived by the Holy Spirit, who lived a sinless life of perfection, died of a carious death on the cross when he could have called 10,000 angels. He lay down his life, was put in a buried tomb. Three days later, he rose from the graves. Forty days after that, he ascended into heaven. And one day, he's coming back again. And we have that message, and our churches are emptying. What have we done? And what will we do in the days to come? We've toned the gospel down to where people will come for a little while and then they decide this is just another thing and I've been through similar things like it. Let me tell you something, folks. There's nothing like a New Testament, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus had one bride, one, and it's his church. But his church will have one thing in common. He has preeminence. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. And when we start lifting up Jesus, then people are going to be drawn unto him. Now, some of you, many of you, both here and through technology, have never discovered never discovered in your life that there's a whole lot of heaven on the way to heaven. You have some kind of belief, I'm going to struggle through, I'm going to do the best I can, and one day I'm going to die, or the Lord's going to come back again, and I'm going to be in the sweet by and by, but I'm having trouble in the nasty now and now. And I am not making it. And I am struggling. And I cannot understand why. Let me give you a from Galatians 5, 22. Now, here's the fruit of the Spirit. If you're Spirit-filled, here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Now, that is found in Galatians 5, 22, and 23. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. How you do with all of those? Three out of five, five out of whatever, three out of the list. What, what would be your answer? Well, while you're thinking about that, I want you to catch your breath for just a second, and I'm going to give you five things real quickly. Number one, don't ever forget this. It's number one. Of the five, it's number one. God has all the wealth in this world and in the world to come. He owns everything. First Chronicles 29, 11. 
and 12. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of you, and you reign over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. He's ready. He's willing. And he's waiting for a people that will trust him totally and completely. If you're a guest today, or if you're listening or watching, this church is indebted to no one but him. God has a way of revealing himself time after time after time to his churches. And thank God this is not the only one on the planet. We have some wonderful churches around the world. But to all of those that have followed God's plan, God has blessed. Talk to those who have done it God's way, and he's yet to fail. He's yet to fail. As we look at the scripture, and we wonder, why does the devil still have so much control? What is it? Well, if it's in our hand to make things change, then we need to pay attention. You know, the world continues to control things because we don't have the courage and the faith to beat the devil off of it. We give up so quickly. We just kind of lay down and die. Well, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, I'm not going to live that long. I'm just going to be gone. Well, God says to us, I got a plan for you. I want to tell you what it is. God's plan for my life and God's plan for your life is different, but they're God's plan. And they'll all work together for good if we'll just serve the Lord. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that's in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is a kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of you, and you reign over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of you and of your own have we given you. For we strangers before you and sojourners as were all of our fathers. Our days on the earth as a shadow and there is none abiding. God says to us, listen my children, I want to use you. I want to bless you. I want you to experience my plan for your life but you have to trust me. Do you know when we give thanks to the poor people what we're doing? We're just loaning to the Lord. We're just doing God's work. That's what we're doing. That's what Jesus did, right? He went around and did that. We don't do it for the glory of the church. We do it for the glory of God. And when we give to them, we're giving to him. Whenever we do mission work, we're giving to him. We're giving money in order that people can carry the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. God loves the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his son, his only son, to be the savior of the world. And we are certainly a part of it, but we're just a part. 
of it. In Proverbs 19, 17, he that has pity upon the poor lends unto the Lord. So clear. And that which he has given will he pay him again. God owns the wealth in this world and in the world to come. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, or all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. We are the bride of Christ. He loves his bride. He takes care of his bride. He takes great pride in his bride. And he teaches us that clearly in Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3. God has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. He is not a suffering savior. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. He is in control. He holds the world in his hand. And every one of us, he knows by name. He knows everything this preacher's done and everything you've done. And I'm not proud of all of it. He knows every thought I've had and every thought you've had. And that bothers you sometimes as it does me because Satan is alive and he's out to destroy. And we're fighting battles today that are bigger than they ever were in the history of the world for the family, for the unborn, and on and on we could go. But God says, trust me in all things. All right, God owns everything. Number two, God wants it all in circulation. Now this is where some of you drop out. For some of you, if God gives it to you, it's, it's coming out of circulation. You know, I mean, you're, I mean, you're so tight. I mean, you know, you just go around and saying, I got to figure out a way somebody else can pay for this. But the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Right? Givers, would you give me an amen? Amen. amen. More blessed to give. You like to sit at the Christmas party and you say, oh, open what I get. Oh, open yours. Open yours. Oh, no, no, you No, no, you open yours. You open yours. Nobody's have a big scene, you know. Why? Because it brings us great joy to see others rejoicing. That's why we get so excited when people got saved. They got the gift of eternal life. The blood of Jesus cleansed them. And we're out here, woo, woo. You know, it goes back many decades for me. But for some of you, it goes back a week, a month, a year and so forth. But that's the way God works. He wants everything in circulation. You say, where's the scripture for this? I think you know one of them. Are you ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You do know it. You don't have to have the preacher. All you got to have is the word of God. Now let's say it one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My dear friend, we were born in sin. You were born in sin. Nobody taught you to be bad. We came that way. How many times did I hear my mother say, where did you pick that up? You know? We're all sinners. But God loves sinners. This message is for sinners from a Savior that holds the world in his hand and says, I love you unconditionally. I love you and you can't keep me from it. But I want to bless you and you to enjoy the blessing. Don't you hate to give people something and you never see them wear it, never see them use it. They don't hang it on the wall, but then you see it at the next bunco party when it's the one that everybody gets to pick up on, you know. And you just happen to be and they forgot where they got it. I mean, that's not any fun. But when you give people something, they start using it. Oh, it gets exciting. And you know what? When God finds one of his kids start using his money for his glory, God just has a way of favoring that child and said, I'm going to let you join him. You're just having a ball, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I never thought that would happen, but it is happening. And it's happening to me. Number three, all of God's wealth that he wants in circulation belongs to his children. Did you know that? We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If you read that 28th chapter in 1 through 10, you'll see point after point that'll come up to you. But let me give you Galatians 3, 6, and 7. Even as Abraham believed God and was counted for him for righteousness, know you therefore that they which are of the faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, now listen to this one, might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And if you be in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Folks, we're in the will. We're Jews. I have a lot of fun with Stuart being my second favorite Jew. Jesus being my first favorite. But they both know that we are Jews too. We've been adopted into the family according to the scripture. And we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And God wants to bless his children. And he really likes to bless his children when he knows the children will do what he wants done with what he gives. Extra time. Extra talent. Not just about money. A lot of love. A lot of compassion. All of these things. Brain. Mind. Give it to the Lord. Talent. You're a singer. You're a musician. You, you, you're an athlete. But give it to the Lord. Give it to God. And see what God does with what you give to him. We don't want to ever get mad at the Jews. God has blessed them financially. And they don't even believe in Jesus. Imagine what he thinks about us. We're, we believe in Jesus and we, we believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're his kids. It gets exciting, I'm telling you. We don't need to worry about anything. Mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. <laughs> Number four, the key to getting in on God's prosperity is giving. Uh-oh. We've gone down to a much smaller audience. 
but stick with me for just a minute. The clock is ticking. The key to getting from God is to be a giver. If he's going to give you more time, you need to be ready to invest it in something worthwhile and quit playing games. If God is going to give you talent, make sure that you've made a commitment. Mine's going to go to the Lord. If you bless me, I'm not selling it to the world. I'm giving it to your glory. That's who God looks for. God looks for Christian parents. God looks for Christian brothers and sisters. God looks for the kids in the schools to be drawn together by the common denominator of the love of God and the fact that, that God has given one to the other, that we can bind ourselves together. Many of us are to the age right now to where we're going back with our classmates of yesteryear. We go back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, whatever it might be. And we begin to remember those stories. And we, we remember especially the good ones. And we begin to share with one another as to how God blessed us in ways that we did not even know that he would bless us. Some found their mate in high school, some in college, some at NASA, some wherever. But you know what? If whatever you're looking for and whatever you need, if you know that God meets a need, why don't you let God pick out the way it happens? Does that make sense to you? Now, some have great ability to make money without gambling, but they know how to make money. And that is wonderful, a gift. And God knows that some of us don't know that. So for some, God just has to supernaturally make it come your way. Same way with our time, all of that stuff. We must learn how to give. If we don't, we're in serious, serious trouble. Luke 6, 38, one more time. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall the Lord give unto your bosom. And with the same measure that he meets with all, he will measure to you again. If you have a getting problem, you may have a giving problem. How many sons did God give? For God so loved the world, he gave his only. How many is that? One. One. Why? So we could be saved. God gave one son to get millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions. That's the kind of God we serve. He practices what he teaches. He's just looking for people that will believe that. You say, preacher, I don't believe in giving to get. God did. God gave his son to get us. Gave one son to get us. God blesses, and you give. Then God blesses again. Then you give. Then God blesses again. Then you give. First thing you know, that's your lifestyle. When you begin to see need, you respond to that need. When you give to a need, you notice it's not longer. I can give again. Many of you give every single Sunday to the ministries of Sage Mott. We give 30% plus of our income to missions. 51 different organizations plus our International Mission Board. 
And so we're a part of a team. But it's God blesses and blesses. And we hear the reports of people being saved here, here, there, whatever, in Africa, China, India, Korea, Mexico, South America. People are being saved. They're coming to Christ like never before. But we're all a part of that. But when they come to America, if God leads them here, that they see in the churches of America something that is real rather than a place of entertainment on Sunday where you can kind of go and give a word a lick and a, a touch and then go and do what you'd rather be doing, which is something else. God blesses. And when we're faithful, what he gives us, he said, you be faithful a little and I'll make you ruler over much. When God created the world, think about this. Does the ground give? Certainly it does. He made it, right? The heavens and the earth. You have a garden? You like spinach? He gives, all right? Clouds give. Plants give. The sun gives. The moon gives. God gives. He's a giver. He's a giver. He's always, always, always looking for people. He's got plenty to give to somebody. And that's one of the reasons this church has been blessed through the years. And I'm praying we'll be blessed again as we move into envision. But when Satan gets hold of a man, the first thing that happens, he stops giving. He stops giving his time to read this Bible. He quits giving his time to come to church. He quits giving everything, and certainly money. That's the easiest one to quit. I'm just going to quit. His thoughts don't even go there. That's what happens. When Satan invades a marriage, there begins to be problems. Whenever we get to that point that we think really the best deal is the lottery, the best chance I have is to bet on the Super Bowl, the best deal that I can have is to do whatever, steal, rob. God says, no, Amen. no, you come to me and I will in no wise cast you out. And when you come to me, you're not coming to be a member of the church. You're not coming to be get baptized. You're putting yourself where I can adopt you into my family. And you're going to be my child. And I'm going to take care of you. But I'm going to discipline you too. Don't rob me. Don't turn your back on me. Don't curse me. Don't, don't use my name in vain. You're my child. And as long as you represent me and as he is, so we're to be in this life. And when you adopt that as a way to live your life, God will bless you, whoever you are and wherever you are. God is not looking for great minds, great skills, great looks, or great money and wealth. God's looking for an humble person that will lay his life down for the Lord like the Lord gave his son and Jesus laid his life down for us. If you think you're so busy, you just can't get it all done, can I tell you what to do? Get your job here at the church. We got a bunch of them, volunteers. If you'll work for the Lord, he'll just multiply your time. He'll give you more hours than you can expect it. You can't even keep up with them. And you'll enjoy them. And every day with Jesus will be sweeter than the day before. Amen. You feel bad today? Call somebody in need. Just go up to the hospitals. Try to find somebody in the lobby. You can go up to the room with somebody they're going to go see this real ill. 
walk out of that room and thank God for your health, that you could walk in and walk out. That's the way it works. You say, I sure don't have any money. The widow's mite's the greatest offering ever made in the Bible. Give something. Give something. And then God takes it from there. He knows what you're capable of. God doesn't love rich people and hate poor people. God loves everybody. He's not looking for the rich and famous, nor is he looking for the down and outs and the poor and poverty. He's looking for people whose heart's right with him. That will listen to what he says. And when he says it, no arguments. They just do it. Whatever you need today, give it away. Give it away. Encouragement. Do you need encouragement today? Find somebody and just encourage them. You look happy today. I'm glad to meet you. Glad you're here. This kind of thing. That's what it's all about. But if you don't feel like anybody loves you and everybody hates you, just fall in love with Jesus today and start loving them unconditionally. Those that you know, you could have beat them and move over in that lane. You could have got them. They were trying to get ahead of you to come up on the freeway. And with your V8, you could have got in front. But for the first time in 30 years, you let them go by and get one car in front of you so that in that 25 feet, when you get to the end of your 250-mile trip, it really didn't make any difference, did it? God loves us. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. My time's gone. I'll give you the last one quickly. We're not to give from our apparent resources, but we're to give from God's actual resources. God wants to give something to someone else. He often passes it through somebody. It can be money. It can be love. It can be working with your hands. It could be encouragement. But if you lay your life on the line and say, this is what I have. This is what I have. But God, you gave it to me, and I am going to use it for your glory. I promise you that, God. I promise you. When there's a financial need... I am going to do everything I can to help that person. To lift them up on the day when they're in the deepest, deepest pits. Sometimes we give from reason giving. But there's another kind of giving. It's called revelation giving. Revelation. Revelation is God speaks to you and says, this is what I want to do through you. And that's what you are to do. And every time I hear the story about Simon Peter, I read about him. What a character. It's one of my favorite Bible people. Some things I want to copy, other things I want to stay away from. But Peter, he was, always had these one-liners. Listen to this one, Mark 10, 28. Then Peter began to say unto Jesus, Lo, we have left all to follow you. Now think about the story of Peter. I'm not sure he left much of anything. When he quit catching fish, he went out of business. I guess he blamed God. He said, you know, I'm going, I'm going to do something else, but it's your fault, God. But God just takes you where you are and leaves you where he wants to go. That's it. All right. So you say, oh, I don't believe any of all that stuff. That's fine. That's fine. God's going to get by with or without us. But I do know this every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I know that if you show me a person that had to give up a daddy to serve the Lord, and I've known several in my lifetime. I'll show you a person that God has given a hundred daddies to. I could take you around this church 
of, of young people that were thrown out of their homes. One that everybody knows is James Robinson. The horror of his growing up, but look how many people he's reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Billy Graham stories and others. Go read those stories. They were common people that said, yes, Lord, whatever I have, I'm going to give it to you. But I submit to you, the financial giving is the easiest of all. You may not can give the much, but you can give the little. And God can take the little and make much out of it. I'm not worried about shortages of anything. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the hills they graze on. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory.